The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 8, Collision. Whole Heart, Part 2. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. The Kriegers didn't respond as positively as Vicky had. John could barely make out some guttural shouts that were undoubtedly curses. He was not making any fans among the Kriegers, which suited him just fine. This was going to be a fight. That much was for damn sure. Both he and Sarah were on open ground. Any scant cover they might have had could be easily evaporated by the weapons the troopers carried. Not to mention they had the inevitable risk of getting flanked by that damned mechanical wolf. John and Sarah did have a couple of advantages, though. John's speed and Sarah's flight. Split the enemy's attention, whittled them down, and he and Sarah had a chance. Sounds great in theory, genius. But can you pull it off without getting schwacked? Sarah's wings were half-spread and trembling. Clearly she wanted to be in the air, and from the look of her anxious expression... She wished it had been five minutes ago. Wait for it. John could feel something building, a sort of tension. He knew what to do, and he felt that Sarah was ready for it, too. The Kriegers were working up a full head of steam and were going to try to make the first move. John had already keyed his enhancements. He envisioned exactly how it would go, what play he would make where Sarah would fly, who they would target first. It was all very clear to John. He'd used visualization techniques before missions in the past, but he had never had this sort of clarity. Maybe it was the enhancements, or the adrenaline, but he felt keyed up, ready for the perfect moment. Now! The first Krieger on the far right had begun to raise his arm cannon. Sarah vaulted into the air while John kicked hard against the ground and began sprinting for the Krieger. The shot from the arm cannon harmlessly obliterated the spot where Sarah had been. Sarah had to close. She didn't have anything she could use at a distance, aside from throwing her spears. But close she did, fearlessly, recklessly, he would have said. Despite all of that, her speed saved her. She came down behind two Kriegers on the far left— since these were the ones in armor, she couldn't just cut off a leg the way she had the unarmored schmuck back in the cellar. And in fact, she didn't use the sword at all. She grabbed the head of the one nearest her in both hands, and suddenly the fire around her went from yellow to blue-hot. She let go, and the Krieger dropped to the ground, thrashing, helmet looking like an ice sculpture that had just started to melt. Then she leapt straight up again. Wings beating furiously. John didn't waste any time with his first Krieger. He sent a quick blast of fire at the trooper's visor, blinding him momentarily. With his enhanced speed, he had crossed the distance and stopped behind the Nazi before he could react. John charged his fires for a moment, then sent three concentrated blasts into the armor, two at the knees to bring it down, and a final one at the base of the helmet killing the trooper who fell forward with a final spasm. He turned to see that Sarah was hovering just above another left-hand Krieger, as if she was daring him to shoot her. Before he could shout or even move, 
he heard the whine of an arm cannon ramping up. That was when Sarah dropped right out of the sky, fiery sword manifested, bringing all her weight and the momentum of the drop down on the sword. She didn't just slice off the end of the arm cannon. It was more like taking a hot knife through a thick chunk of chocolate, melting as much as cutting. But it was relatively fast, too fast for the Krieger to react. And as soon as the end of the cannon dropped with a clunk to his feet, she was up in the air again, and just out of lethal distance when the cannon backfired into the Krieger's armor, shredding the right-hand side of his suit and him inside it. John grinned, turning back to face the next Krieger on his side of the fight. She's good when she puts her mind to it. There'd be time for back-slapping later, though. Right now, he had some killing to do. Vicky was keeping some of the Kriegers occupied by opening up holes underneath them or thrusting up piles of dirt and concrete. As long as she could keep doing that, she would be keeping part of the horde off him and Sarah. He snapped off another charged-up blast at the nearest Krieger, hitting the ground beneath its feet. The concrete superheated in an instant, exploding and toppling the trooper. John continued blasting away, covering the trooper with fire, head to toe, weakening the armor. Before the Krieger could right itself, John ran to its side, scooping up a jagged length of rebar along the way. Sliding to a stop next to the downed armor, he brought the makeshift spear down as hard as he could, right through the Krieger's visor. He gave it a final twist, and the suit shuddered once, then lay still. John looked up to see the nearest Kriegers visibly shaken. Obviously, he couldn't see their expressions, but their body language told him all he needed to know. They thought it would be shooting fish in a barrel, and the joke was on them. They didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Vic was continually putting them off balance. John glanced to his left. Sarah met his gaze in the same instant. They both seemed to already know what to do. John immediately started sprinting with everything he had towards the third Krieger on the left. Sarah arced up and to the right, then plummeted straight down towards the first Krieger on the right-hand side, one that, in the same moment, got shaken to his knees by Vic. Sarah's feet hitting his shoulder blades put him face down into the dirt, and she crouched on his back and flared blue-white again. As exciting as it was to watch Sarah work, John didn't have the time at the moment. He had his own threats to focus on. The air was filled with bolts of actinic energy from the trooper arm cannons. Some of them were getting pretty close, leaving behind the smell of burnt ozone. He had almost reached the line of Kriegers on the left when he abruptly changed course, juking hard to the right at the last one in line and furthest from him. That would buy him a precious second. Concentrating as he ran, he thrust out his left arm, a solid beam of plasma arcing and hitting the Krieger he had initially been running at. The helmet was burned away, leaving the decapitated body taking another step before crashing forward. When he glanced over at Sarah, or rather, where Sarah had been, there was a suit of armor fused to the rubble, and she was already in the air again. Three down for me. Three to go for each of us. Let's rock and roll. John reached the two he had juked towards. He enveloped both of them in a wide blast of flame, not too intense, but enough to keep them occupied and weaken them slightly. He killed it right before he reached them. Both troopers quickly scanned, reacquired, and started tracking him with their arm cannons. They were well-trained at the very least. John took a chance, running to the middle of the pair. 
Another blast of flame at the visor of the one at the left while shouldering into the one on the right. He didn't budge it much, and the impact with the heated metal of the trooper armor left the shoulder of his jacket smoldering. But he was in close enough that it couldn't blast him now. The other one was starting to recover, while the trooper he was against was trying to give him a lethal bear hug. John took a step, and launched off of its knee hard enough to send him above the eye level of the leftmost Krieger. It looked up in time for another blast of flame, followed by a lance of concentrated plasma in a glancing hit to its left shoulder, a wound instead of a killing blow. John landed in front of it, crouched under, and then ran behind the still-blinded Krieger. Unable to see and in pain, the trooper's training failed, and he started firing wildly at the last spot it had seen John. Directly in front of it. Two blasts from the arm cannon obliterated the Krieger across from it, leaving smoldering bits scattered for half the length of a football field. John didn't wait for the remaining Krieger to realize its mistake. He fired another weakening blast of flame at the back of its head, drew his pistol, and then emptied the magazine at the base of the helmet, punching a ragged and smoking hole through. John had to dodge out of the way to avoid being crushed by the falling armor. Vic seemed to be working on the right now, screwing with the true Kriegers that Sarah was harassing. Rather than taking them straight on, Sarah was waiting until one was off balance, darting in to slash at him with the sword at one of the vulnerable spots, then darting away again. Each time she came in close, her fire flared up in the Krieger's visor, momentarily blinding him. Eventually she was going to manage to cut through something, he reckoned, and meanwhile, the creatures inside those suits must have been soiling themselves with fear. Just as he thought that, she suddenly launched straight up into the air above and between them. She got up about a thousand feet, then dropped again, sword in right hand, spear in the left. Again, she was using her weight and the momentum of her fall, and she had flared to blue-white hot once more. He had just about enough time to take that in, when she hit. The white-hot spear transfixed the one on her left, going in at the point where the neck met the shoulder, one of the vulnerable spots. The sword bisected the helmet of the one on the right. They were falling as she dissolved her weapons and sprang away. She headed up into the air again. Her fires had faded, and her wing beats looked labored. The final two troopers had moved to the middle of a destruction corridor, standing back to back. That won't save you, fellas. John, his enhancement still keyed up, sprinted straight for the Krieger facing him. Just as the invader raised his arm cannons, John opened up with a large blast of flame, then jinked left. The trooper, armor weakening and temporarily unable to see, fired where John had been, sending up showers of rubble. John kept up the speed until he was right in front of the trooper, coming up short. He had a brainstorm. Pausing, he ramped up fires on his right arm, hotter than he could ever remember attempting before. He had to close his eyes and turn his head, the fires were so bright. Then he pushed his hand through the front of the trooper's armor, going in its chest and out its back. John staggered backwards, partially from the intense heat, and partially because of the drain he felt from ramping up that much. His skin felt blistered, and some of his hair smelled singed just from the residual heat— since he was protected from his own fires, but not from what they might burn. Past the afterimage that was somewhat clouding his vision, he could see the remains of the armor. The features were melted and the joints fused in place, leaving it standing in a horrid death rictus, 
the occupant very dead. The scene looked strikingly familiar, but he couldn't place where he knew it from. Vic had been freed to concentrate on the remaining trooper, and had somehow managed to encase him to the waist in rubble. Must be giving Sarah a break. As fast as the trooper struggled free, she piled more on him, and seemed to be opening up a hole underneath him at the same time, because he kept dropping lower. Or was she somehow turning the surface under him into a sort of quicksand? Just stay where you are, you rat bastard, Vicky snarled in John's ear as the trooper sank a little more. I know where your air intakes are. Suddenly the trooper's movements got a lot more frantic. He was chest deep now, and the rubble was pulverizing somehow, getting finer. Neck deep and his head was moving as if the suit was possessed. Then there was nothing but a pile of fine sand about the height of John's waist. It was still moving as he watched. Then, it wasn't. Not bad at all, John panted. He was doubled over, hands on his knees and trying to catch his breath. Still, he managed to give Sarah a thumbs up before wiping his brow of sweat and ash. Sarah landed heavily beside him. She was panting too, and all of her fires were gone. You achieved credible success, John Murdoch, she managed between gasping breaths. Better I've heard from her in, well, ever progress. Thank you, ma'am. You get some points for the assist, too, Teen Witch. Just remind me to have you on speed dial to handle sand traps if I ever take up golf. That's grounds for an ass-whooping pinhead, she shot back. Hey, uh, aren't we forgetting something? As if that had been a cue, the monstrous mechanical wolf burst out of hiding. It must have been lurking just inside the hole it had dug out, waiting while they finished off the troopers. It headed straight for the two of them. Why the hell would it have been waiting? John didn't have time to pursue that line of thought. It was fast, much faster than the troopers had been. John tried to fire off a blast and completely missed it. He hardly ever missed with his fire. Sarah tried a slash to its flank as they flung themselves to either side and nearly got hit by a paw for her troubles. While John recovered and tried to get some distance and figure out how to handle this monster, Sarah moved in to distract it. She couldn't close with it, or it would certainly catch her. The most she could do was dance with it, a strange and deadly sort of ballet, half on the ground and half in the air, fainting, striking with sword or spear, before darting away out of reach again. She can't keep that up forever. We're both flagging. With how fast the wolf was moving, he didn't have time to charge up a shot. He could only weaken it with flame, and even then he risked hitting Sarah. But if she stopped her deadly distraction, it would focus on him and probably get him. Think. He had to do something. John glanced frantically around. The Earl. Oh, Savior's gone to have kittens over this one. He ran for the Earl, jumping onto the seat and turning the ignition. His hands flew over the latches on the case holding the modified RPG and its warheads. He left them in the case, but went ahead and removed the safeties. The warheads themselves were impact-detonated. Even though they'd need to be shot from the launcher to actually arm, 
John figured that what he was about to do still had a decent chance of kicking off the payload. This is either a fucking genius move, or I'm a goddamn moron. Sarah seemed to be reading his mind again. Suddenly, she shot off like an arrow, speeding along at barely head height, with the wolf in hot pursuit, leading it down what passed for the road, away from John. He gunned the throttle, sending the earl hurtling forward. He turned the handle sharply, bouncing and skidding over rubble as he pursued Sarah. It only took him a few seconds before he reached the fastest it could safely go over the rubble. He gave it a little extra acceleration anyway. Sarah and the wolf had been pulling away from him. Now she executed a hairpin turn by touching down, pulling her wings in tight, and somersaulting in the air like a gymnast, coming out pointed towards John. The wolf, caught off guard by this, skidded for several yards before managing to reverse and pursue her again as she headed straight at John and the bike at full speed. She pulled up suddenly just at what John considered to be the last possible second. He dove from the speeding motorcycle, twisting in the air. Time seemed to slow down as he took aim, charging his fires in the split second before the motorcycle impacted with the leading paw of the mechanical wolf. Snapping off the shot, he saw it hit perfectly on the warheads in the sidecar case. He had just enough time to tuck and roll before the explosion completely engulfed the wolf. He hit the ground hard, and even with the jacket and the nano-weave, he could feel the broken bits of brick and concrete biting into his arms, shoulders, and back. Confirm the kill, jackass. Even if it hurts, you gotta get up. Groaning, he peeled himself from the ground. The wolf was still there, but it wasn't doing well at all. The paw that the motorcycle had connected with was completely gone, jagged and sparking metal twisting up into the wolf's shoulder joint. The rest of it was still ablaze with the compound from the RPGs, thick and oily smoke rising into the air. Sarah touched down as the remaining legs of the wolf suddenly stopped moving. Or rather, they were moving as if they were stuck in mud or quicksand. "'I'll hold it. You hit it,' Vic said in his ear, and Sarah acted on the command by darting in and daring a slash at a rear leg, staying well clear of the jaws. The wolf was knee-deep in the ground now, and there Vic seemed to be stuck with her efforts, since it didn't sink any more. I harden the ground like cement around the legs. That's the best I can do. It moves too fast, and it's too strong even on three legs for me to manage anything other than a temporary hold. John trotted over, centering himself in front of the wolf. Even damaged and immobilized, it was trying to thrash from side to side to free itself. Let's finish the bastard. John started charging up his fires, letting them build along both arms. Sarah went airborne again. It was clear she was exhausted, but it was also clear she was grimly determined to do her part in killing this monster. Once she was in the air, the wolf seemed to forget about her. It concentrated on John, optics glaring balefully at him. That gave Sarah a chance to come in behind it, in its blind spot, while it was unaware she had returned. With anyone else he would have counted down— Somehow, he knew he didn't have to with her. They were moving and acting like a single person. As he thought that, she manifested her spear and dropped down into the thing's back, ramming the fiery weapon through its spine at the join where shoulder blades would have been on a real wolf. 
At that same moment he released his fires, joining the concentrated blast on a single point at the back of the wolf's mechanical throat. Sarah leapt off of the wolf's back, beating her wings furiously. The wolf shuddered once before its main body exploded in a too loud whoomp that swatted John and Sarah, the pressure wave washing over them. The mechanical beast finally settled to the ground, the optics dead and staring at nothing. And only then did the snarl of approaching earls signal that the cavalry was about to arrive. Right on time. John stood up to his full height, brushing off his uniform before standing at parade rest. Sarah touched down to land beside him. As she stood there, at nothing like a military posture, her wings drooped with weariness. Russian chatter came over the CCCP frequency. Some gamayun, but most of it was Red Savior's barked orders. Earls rolled in from three directions in groups of three, one of the trios followed by the battered CCCP van. Savior appeared in the sky a moment later, using whatever crazy-ass metapower she had for flying. She touched down in front of the Earls, still talking, as the CCCP troops spread out, taking cover. But as soon as it became evident that the fight was over, they all broke cover and gathered behind Savior. Untermensch looked put out, probably because he had missed an opportunity to kick Thulean teeth in. Bear was doing his best Golden Girls impression to try to comfort his friend. Savior stalked up to John, ignoring Sarah. How many? Why were you not waiting for backup? She barked, frowning. Looked like she was just as pissed as Untermensch at missing out on the fight. John did his level best to resist smirking. Even though it had been a hairy fight, he'd had... fun. After making entry into the suspected Krieger outpost, we had indications of an imminent threat to an innocent. We had to act right then and there. Turned out to be a kid that had strayed a little too far into the corridor. He glanced over at Sarah. There also turned out to be seven unarmored personnel and then twelve troopers. Oh, and the wolf over there. He indicated towards the smoldering pile of metal with his chin. All destroyed. The outpost looks like it was getting expanded by the wolf, but we won't know for sure what they were doing unless we excavate the entire mess. Vicky helped bury the bastards while supporting us. The commissar kept her expression neutral. She muttered a moment, probably talking with Victrix. That was borne out by Savior's next words as she speared him with her eyes. Have consulted with daughter of Rasputin. She concurs your numbers and your conclusions. She paused, looking around at the destruction. Satisfactory work for a couple of Amerikanski. That was fairly high praise coming from Savior. Orosho, she added. Then she looked around again, mouth moving as if she was counting. She frowned faintly. Where is being Earl? she asked sharply. John shrugged. Couldn't tell you exactly where, Commissar. It was a chaotic fight. It wasn't technically a lie. The Earl was spread around a lot of ground, to be certain. She got a brief, listening look on her face. Victrix again? Gamayun? 
You'd bat that you mad, she said with resignation. Never mind. Excoriation. Paperwork. You know what to do. Help clean up mess, then report to HQ. I presume we walk, said Sarah wearily. Of course, I could rest here and then fly, while you return. She shrugged, as if it were a matter of indifference to her. I presume one of the comrades would carry you double. It had taken them three hours of hard work before they were done helping with the cleanup and cataloging efforts at the crime scene. They were both grimy with ash and dirt, and there was still after-action reports and other assorted paperwork to fill out. Nah, let's walk. Give us a chance to go over things. Hash them out before we get back to HQ. Her brow creased. Why would we need to? All should be clear in your mind. John barked an exasperated laugh. It is. But would it kill you to chat for a few minutes? Or are you that eager to fill out more forms in triplicate? She shrugged again. I speak to Vicky's machine. It does that. Well, I don't want to get back in any sort of hurry. Besides, I'm starving. Let's see what we can rustle up on the way back. Okay? He didn't want to let on how much he needed to talk to her. If past performance was any indicator, he knew that she'd be tempted to bolt if he got too serious with her this early. Best to soften things up first, keep it light, focus on the professional stuff a bit. She pulled her wings in tight. As you wish, she replied, making it perfectly clear without saying anything that she really would rather have been alone. Every other time, he had been willing to let her get away with that. Not this time. God damn it, this isn't going to be easy. Like much of anything with her has been. Save for that fight. Ah, hell with it. Stick around, let's get a bite and talk a bit. Take that as an order if you like, for your own good. She nodded solemnly. As you will. They walked for a good fifteen minutes. The large destruction corridor eventually gave way to John's hood. People were out and about, going on with their lives. Many of them waved at him. He'd been spending more time away from the barracks, interacting with the people that he was responsible for protecting. It was occasionally awkward, as he didn't remember some of them from before, but for the most part everyone was understanding. Having all of these people recognize him, and be happy to see him, took some getting used to. But he enjoyed it. He had always liked helping people. He loved serving in the military, and though the quasi-law enforcement gig that working with the CCCP had turned into, it had certain parallels of his life that satisfied him. John figured enough time had passed that he ought to start in. Hey, Vix, switch off eyes and ears on Overwatch for me, okay? Keep the lope data going on, just need some quiet time. Roger that? That's a Roger. I'll turn off Sarah's headset. 
Since you don't remember it, the command you programmed in is Overwatch, Override, Eyes and Ears Off. Thanks for the update. All right, switching off. He spoke the command and walked several more paces, thumbs hooked into his duty belt. Hell of a fight, wasn't it? It was very taxing, Sarah said carefully. You have finally pushed your abilities. You must continue to do so. They will become greater the more you push at the limits. The next time, you likely will not require my aid. I don't know about that, he shrugged. I understand always pushing the envelope, keeping sharp and looking for an edge. But I've almost always worked with a team. You can't be awake all the time and you can't see everywhere at once. Having teammates pushes you further and multiplies your effectiveness. Besides, he said, grinning as he looked at her. We seem to work pretty damned well together back there. I, I mean, really well. Didn't you notice that? She turned to finally look him in the face, her brilliant blue eyes puzzled. I had not noticed. She let her voice trail off. I suppose we did. I've been through a lot of shit in my time, Sarah. And I've worked with the best of the best. That fight was something else. I mean, we took out twelve armored suits and a wolf with nary a scratch on either of us. I can't think of many other folks that could have done that with just the pair of them. No support. She looked for a moment as if she might say something, but the moment passed as a group of preschool kids caught sight of her from a playground made of wood and metal salvaged out of the destruction and swarmed her. For the first time, at least in John's memory... She brightened and stopped to give every single one of them a moment of attention. A hug at least, a whispered word, a soft kiss on the top of the head. It didn't take long, but when they ran off again to their improvised playground, they were all smiling. She looked after them for a moment, then back at him. I am sorry. I let them interrupt what you were saying. No worries, none at all. That was sweet of you to do. It seems you've got some fans around here yourself. They should have come to you. You were the one that planned the playground. And did the metal work. She sighed. But of course that was not... You, was it? I suppose it depends on how you look at it, Sarah. Am I better or worse than I was? Do I fight for the same things? Do I help people for the same reasons? He sighed, looking down. I don't really think it matters as far as that. These folks need us as much as we need them. The little things, the troubling things that we deal with, we just gotta deal with them. Getting the jobs done is what's important. That's how I've always looked at it. When you're on the mission, that's what you focus on, you know? Yes, the mission. 
And when the mission is done... She shrugged. I, too, am a creature of duty. John knew better by now than to have much physical contact with her. Even with his orders, he figured that she would bolt if he even came close to touching her. So instead of playfully bumping her elbow or anything like that, he just stopped walking. You want to know the secret, Sarah? She gave him a peculiar, puzzled look. The secret of what? What we do. It's that it's never going to be over. There's always another mission, another job, another gig. More people to help, more people to save, something else to fight for. He looked around the neighborhood for several long minutes, taking it all in. And you know what? I wouldn't want it any other way. It's a good thing that we can always find something in this world to fight for. Something that's worth it. He hooked a thumb back at the playground. I guarantee you that for the rest of their lives, those kids will remember you, for instance. And they're not the only ones. She didn't say anything, just thinned her lips a little, as if he had struck some kind of nerve. Oh, hell. Did I just screw this up? Let's keep walking. It's good for thinking. Almost as good as cleaning guns, drinking, or sharpening knives. He got moving. Obediently, she fell in beside him. The sky had grown overcast while they had been policing up the site of the battle. Now, thunder growled in the far distance, not unlike the hunger rumbling in John's belly. It will rain soon, she said, carefully. We should make certain we are back at CCCP before it does. They turned a corner, and there, as if in answer to both his hunger and his wish to have some way to get something out of the angel other than pain or flight, was a line of three food trucks. Their arrival seemed to be the occasion for a little street party among the residents. Someone had brought out an old-fashioned, gigantic boombox. Well, old-fashioned to people around him, he supposed. By his recollection, boomboxes were as common as smartphones were now. Though it had been an age since he'd seen a fully tricked-out ghetto blaster like the one on display. People had dragged out folding chairs, and with a wary eye on the sky, were buying foil-wrapped packages, setting up little groups to gossip and laugh, or dancing to the music. These weren't some of the really high-end food trucks, like he'd seen once or twice down by the Echo Campus. One was a taco truck, one featured Cuban-pressed sandwiches, and one was a Vietnamese banh mi truck. But their prices must have been reasonable, since all three were doing a brisk business. The cloud cover, and maybe a cooler front coming in ahead of the storm, had dropped the temperature down to something pleasant and the smells coming from the three trucks were good enough to raise the dead. It took him a good twenty minutes to get to the trucks and actually get enough food for him and Sarah, between people coming up to talk, slap him on the back, offer him drinks, or just to BS about the hood. When he was done, John had managed to get something from each of the trucks. They had all tried to refuse his money, but he had insisted, and eventually had his way in the end. 
when he was walking back through the impromptu block party, he saw that Sarah had been similarly mobbed. He stopped a moment just to watch. It was the children mostly who were occupying her. She had dropped down to sit on her heels in order not to tower over them. She had her wings cupped around four, who seemed too shy to talk, but were happy to be under the shelter of those feathers. When he first spotted her, she was listening with the grave intensity of someone listening to an epic poem while a little boy narrated something at the top of his lungs, and the rest nodded at appropriate parts. At first, John thought it was real, until the kid got to. And then the dragon jumped down on top of the car, and we all ran. And he realized it was something that they had all been playing at. Finally, the kid came to the end, and Sarah applauded. That was a wonderful story, she said, actually smiling. And you all made it up together. Uh-huh, the little boy said, beaming. I think you should all get together and make a book out of it, she said firmly. You can go to the study center in CCCP and tell it to Miss Vicky or Miss Thea, and one of them will help you. And when you are all done, she can make real books of it for all of you to take home. And now y'all can stop bothering Miss Sarah so she can eat called one of the mothers firmly from the sidelines. And you kids need to eat too, right now. Obediently, if reluctantly, the kids separated from Sarah and piled onto a clean but ratty old blanket spread out half on the ground and half on the sidewalk, and tucked into the food that was waiting there for them. John strode up to Sarah, arms full of bags with food. Got some vittles, now that your adoring fans have to have dinner themselves. I am sure you are hungry, she said carefully, sitting down on a handy piece of concrete that looked as if it had once been part of a road barrier. John sat down next to her, a respectful distance away. He opened up the bags and started laying out the food between the two of them, plastic forks and napkins enough for both. Got enough for both of us. Dig in for it gets cold. John ate ravenously. With his metabolism, not to mention the exertions of the day, he felt like he was starving. Even before he had become what he was now, he had always been a hearty eater. Working out, running, fighting and such meant you went through a lot of calories. Occasionally some of the people from the party would approach them, usually with small talk or thanks and the like, but for the most part folks left them alone with their meal. John dug the vibe. This was a community where everyone supported everyone else. He normally hated cities, since everything was disconnected and spread out, or horribly crowded and piled on top of itself. But he was starting to take a real shine to Atlanta, or at least this part of it. Sarah nibbled cautiously at a banh mi, then bit into it with more enthusiasm. This is very satisfying she said. Vicky and I usually drink meals. Or sometimes Bella or Mel bring things, but they are often cold. I ought to have little Thea bring you some of her cooking, 
It's great, if only cause it's filming and it keeps forever. I do not often go into headquarters, she confessed. Red Savior does not approve of me. <laughs> she don't approve much of anyone that ain't a sturdy Russian. Especially a sorts that keep on destroying earls, I'm told. I wouldn't think on it much. I've met her type plenty. She's got a rock-hard exterior, but she cares for her people way more than she'll ever show. Just ain't her style. John devoured two tacos, chasing them with an imported beer. You ought to come by the soup kitchen that we run, too. Thea does a lot of work there, and the grub ain't bad. At least as far as Russian stuff goes. I do not think any of the comrades approve of me, she said carefully between bites. I am not what they want in their ranks. I am not... I do not think correctly. She finished the sandwich and blinked at the other packets. What is... this? She carefully put a finger on a stuffed burrito. That, ma'am, is what is commonly known as a burrito. I call it wonderful hangover food. She examined it doubtfully. I do not have a hangover. John almost spewed his current mouthful of food out. He didn't know why what she had said was so funny to him. Choking down the last gulp, he gasped out. It's all right. It's not required to be hung over. She picked up the plump foil-wrapped package and unwrapped it, then took a tentative bite. Then a not-so-tentative bite. This is very healthy. You surprise me. I expect you to eat things that are not. But you have chosen two things that are very healthy. Doesn't hurt that they taste friggin' great, especially after a day like the one we had. Honestly, I'll eat pretty much anything if it stays still for too long. He paused for a moment, eyed a cat that crossed in front of them, that looked at her soberly. Not literally. That surprised a little laugh from her, and a fleeting, tentative smile. They ate the rest of their food in contented silence. The block party continued around them, but they were able to slip away easily enough when they were finished. Well, she looks better, healthier and happier now. It was a happy coincidence that they'd found the block party, or rather that it had found them. Being there had certainly seemed to have done Sarah some good. John waited until they had been walking and digesting for a while, well away from the noise of the party, before he spoke again. There's something I've been wanting to talk to you about, Sarah. Something I've been dealing with for a while, but didn't know how to bring up. I do not know how I could help you, John Murdoch, she said hesitantly. I am not very good at being a person. You should ask Vicky if you need some sort of advice. 
It ain't like that. For one, I think you're doing a damn sight better than a lot of folks at being a person. If you need an example, I refer you back to those kids. You're really good with them, he said with a grin. Two, well, it directly concerns you. I know this isn't going to be easy for you to hear or deal with, but I need you to promise me you're not going to fly off. Okay? She looked visibly disturbed. If, if that is your wish, I promise. John sighed heavily, looking her in the eyes as they walked. I know it ain't easy for you. Any of this since... Well, you know. Oh, she needs to know, goddammit. Just get it over with. It hasn't been easy for me, either. It's not the same, and I'm not trying to say that it is. But I need to talk with you about this. You're the only one that I figure has any sort of way of helping me to figure this out. But I am as blind as you, she protested. I only know that you must keep pushing your limits. Each time that you do, your abilities will become stronger. I have no other advice than that. I am not what I was. I no longer have the resources I had. From relaxed and even a little happy, she had gone to tense and pained again. You were better off to ask Vicky. No. He stopped again, turning towards her. Spit it out already, Murdoch. It's not something in her lane, as it were. I've been hearing music, Sarah, like when there's no music playing or anything. She stopped in her tracks and went absolutely white. Singing? she whispered. John felt his body go cold, and he felt excited at the same time. Yeah, but it ain't like any sort of singing I ever heard before. It's more than singing. It's... I don't have the words, Sarah. He looked around as if he was trying to find them. It's intense, always on the edge of things. But it picks up sometimes. I can hear it more clearly. She closed her eyes for a moment and went completely still. It was as if she was fighting something inside herself. But when she opened her eyes again, something had changed. He couldn't put his finger on what it was, but something had changed. Listen to me, John Murdoch, she said, her voice charged with intensity. You must listen for that music. It is very, very important to you. You are not going mad, nor... nor is it going to harm you. On the contrary, it will help you. The more you push yourself, the more you will hear it. The more you listen for it, the more you will hear it. Eventually, it will always be with you, and you... You will know things without being told. Things that will be important 
important for this great battle. Do you understand me? John took a long time responding. I think I do. But, but you gotta understand something, Sarah. I only hear it really strong during certain times, and... Then you must listen for it during all times, she said, interrupting him. There is nothing more important. Not the CCCP, not your comrades, not anything. This music is the key for you. The key to everything. Without it, without it, you will fail. And if you fail... She shook her head. You must not fail, she said flatly. And at the moment, the storm, which had held off this long, broke over them. She reacted by spreading her wings and taking to the sky. John sighed heavily. I hate it when she does that. I hadn't even gotten to the most important part yet. He kept walking towards HQ, mulling over everything. He'd made some progress with Sarah. Incremental, with levels of frustration that equated to pulling a croc's teeth. But still, progress. He knew that it wasn't enough. She was still in a bad place and would stay there unless he did something. And it had to be him, didn't it? It started and ended with him. At least where she was concerned. He owed it to her. Sarah curled up in a ball of misery on the rooftop temple and let the rain pound down on her. She had not allowed herself to weep much, but now she was alone and... Oh, so very alone. Why? Why was the voice of the infinite taken from her and given to him? Why was that one source of comfort denied her? Yes, he needed it, of course. But why wasn't she allowed to hear it, too? Thunder rolled, drowning her sobs, as the rain drowned her tears. You have been listening to Collision, Season 8 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. Season 8 is written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The fourth book, Collision, is available in print and ebook in December 2014 from the amazing people at Bayon Books. For more information about the series or to listen to earlier seasons, check out www.secretworldchronicle.com. Want to chat with the authors and fellow SWC fans? Join the Secret World Chronicle group on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening.